Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Hey, God bless everyone today. Like Pastor Nick said, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Once again, another year goes by and the Raiders are watching at home like so many other teams. And uh, I'm praying for a better future. I'm believing, I'm trusting God. And, uh, you know, as a Raider fan, I'm actually hoping that both the Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs lose today. If there's any, any way it could end in a 0-0 tie, I would be a very happy man. But I know that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I'm going to watch the game and mainly watch the game for the commercials. Amen. I don't know about you. I love the commercials when it comes to the, to the Super Bowl. But today, I, I want to thank you. you know, I, I know things are a bit different. For some of you, a lot has changed the past couple weeks. Uh, for others of you, nothing's changed. You're, you're still watching service from home. But for those of you that were, had been coming to worship here in person, things have changed for you. Uh, we were getting used to being in the presence of God together. I was getting used to seeing you. And we were seeing some amazing services taking place. And the presence of God was so thick here. But listen to me carefully. We are committed to providing a place still in the midst of this pandemic where you could love God, love people, and change the world. Our our mandate hasn't changed. And we're going to do our best to find ways to help make the online experience better to where we can make it a little more interactive, to where you're not just watching a service, you're involved in a service. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. For those of you that had been coming to church uh, here in person, it's going to be so different for you now to be sitting in your living rooms by yourself or, or with your family. It tells me that you're ready to get out among people, and I want to encourage you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to invite some people, some family, some friends that you're comfortable with to view service at your house. Not not a huge group, but a few friends, family and friends that you're close with to come and watch service with you and and turn it into a home church and, and get together and let's worship together. And for those of you that have been watching online, I'm going to encourage you to take a step of faith and to begin to share with other individuals to take part in service, to to tune in, to get involved in what's taking place. Not just to watch service, but to be involved in the worship, in the word, in everything that's taking place. I need you to understand something today. I want you to know that God wants to move, that God is still on the throne even in the midst of all these craziness that's going on with COVID. I believe we're still coming out of this and that the county may, may be able to find us and keep us from meeting, but they can't stop the Spirit of God from moving at your home, moving in your marriage, moving upon your family. And I'm committed to preaching the word until we make that happen. Come on, somebody say amen. You see, it, it may be a new year for some of you, and, but it may seem like we're still in the same place. But I want you to know something today. This will not defeat us. We will rebuild. Amen. Which takes us to our theme and our, 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 the, the new series that we are starting today is called Arise and Build. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to you know, do, start, start getting a Bible out. If you have it digitally, that's great. But if you have a physical Bible, I'm going to ask you to open it up to Nehemiah chapter 2. 
And as you open to Nehemiah chapter 2, this is probably one of the, the greatest leadership stories in, in the Word of God. Nehemiah is one of my favorite characters. Uh, the things that he's accomplished here. He's not a preacher. He's not a pastor. He's not even a priest. He's not a king. He's just an average man that allows God to do extraordinary things through his life. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, uh, it, it reads this way. He, he, he answers them. He says, the Lord God of heaven. Someone say the Lord God. Come on, say it. The Lord God. Uh, you need to know who you're praying to. You see, when problems come in our lives, you need to know who to run to. Nehemiah runs to God. He says, the Lord God of heaven. He will prosper us. Come on, somebody. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. We, his servants, will arise and build. I want to tell you today, we are starting a new series called Arise and Build. You have gone through some crisis. You've gone through some tough times. Some things didn't work out the way you expected them to. But I'm here to tell you that it's time to arise. It's time to get up out of the rubble of life and make a decision to start rebuilding your family, rebuild your future, rebuild your dreams, rebuild your family, rebuild your hopes. Start understanding that the presence of God did not leave once COVID showed up. If anything, the presence of God showed up stronger. And so I want you to understand something. You could either live among the rubble of life or you could arise and build. You could sit down in the ashes of the burnt gates and fire and walls or you can rise up out of them. You can mourn what you've lost or you can move on to what God has for you. You see, the children of Israel, they found themselves because of a pandemic called sin, idolatry. God has got to a point where he got tired of them. You see, I believe in the grace of God. I'm grateful for the grace of God. I, I'm grateful for the love of God. But God is like any father. He has his limits. And the, the children of Israel push the limits of who God is. And God finally got frustrated with them. And in, uh, in 587 B.C., he sent them into bondage to a foreign nation. It was unheard of that God would use a heathen nation to judge his people. But because of their idolatry, God, like a good father, deals with a child that is unruly. He grounds them. But when he grounds him, he says this, I give you a promise that after 70 years, I will pull you out of that, that bondage. I will pull you out of, of that captivity and I will help you rebuild the nation and you will be my people. You will be called by my name. And so we, we are picking up this story about 140 years after they have been in bondage, after all these things have taken place, a group of them have gone back to help rebuild the city. But when they get there, they just don't have the leadership. They don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the ability to rebuild like God promised them. Have you ever found in your life that God gave you a promise, but you're not walking the promise that God said? God promised you res re uh, restoration, but all you're surrounded is, is rubble. God promised your marriage would be whole, but your marriage is falling apart. God promised to bless you with a great business, but you're struggling and, and you're having to borrow money. I need you to understand that in our lives, there are times that the promises of God may not look like the promises of God. God had had enough of them and he grounds them. 
And the beautiful temple that Solomon built that they took so much pride in, God destroyed. Listen, God's not impressed with our buildings. God never, never wanted to dwell in a building. He's always wanted to dwell inside the hearts of man. And so he had no trouble destroying. He said it at the beginning. I'll destroy this place. If you turn your back on me, I'll destroy this place. And I will make nations actually look at you and shake their heads and wonder. You see, the walls were destroyed and the walls represented standard. They represented protection. How many of you know that in America today, our walls have been burnt with fire? They've been destroyed. We have no protection. We have children that are being abused. We have children that are being sold into sex slavery. We have things that are going on that should not be done. We have babies in the womb that are being aborted while families are dying and and praying to have a child. We got people out killing them. There's something wrong with what's going on. Our walls, our protection have been destroyed. But I want to talk to you this morning about this man by the name of Nehemiah. I want you to look at this in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. I want to to set the stage for you. Like I said, he's not a pastor. He's not not a priest. He's not a king. He's just a slave. He was born in captivity. He was raised in captivity. In fact, he never even saw the temple. He never saw the walls. But he had family members that had moved back to Jerusalem about a thousand miles away to start rebuilding. And this is where we pick it up. He says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Kislev in the 12th year that or actually in the 20th year that I was in the Shushan, the citadel, and Hananiah, one of my brethren, came from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity. Everyone say survived. See, I want you to capture something. Who survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors, everyone say survivor. The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and in reproach. And the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down and the gates burnt with fire. I want you to notice something. Twice he refers to survivors. Two times he recognizes it's survivors. I want to talk to you briefly about being a survivor, an overcomer, or a transformer. A survivor, an overcomer, or a transformer. And I want you to see survivors. For, for How many of you have survived? You, you survived this season called COVID. Come on, you, you survived it. Come on, I want to hear you right now. I know we just have our production team right here. But those of you at home, you survived something. Many of you have survived. You survived bankruptcy. Not just COVID. You survived bankruptcy. You survived divorce. You survived diabetes. You survived cancer. You survived a struggle in the family. You lost your family. You got them back. You survived addiction. You've gone through some things. You survived it. What, you, you, what did you do? You literally, you made it. Survivors are people that made it through a crisis in life and it did not defeat you. I'm speaking to a bunch of survivors right now. I'm speaking to you and to your family. The very fact that you have your family together, you survived what the enemy set out to destroy. You are still standing here today. You are living proof that God still sits on the throne and that your purpose has not been voided. Come on, somebody give God praise. You survive, but you're still surrounded by rubble. 
See, I, I want you to know, understand the call to arise and build means that in spite of the rubble that surrounds you, I, I want you, want you to understand what I'm saying here. Have you ever found yourself surrounded by evidence of your failure? Wake up in the morning and you, you, you look at the empty syringe. You wake up in the morning, empty beer cans or alcohol bottles all over the house when you said, I would never drink again. You look around and you see a, a stack of bills on the, on the table that, that are all past due and you're, you're trying to get out of debt and it seems like you're just digging a deeper and deeper hole. You wake up next to a woman or a guy that, that's not your husband or your wife and, and every time you're trying to look for love somewhere and you keep waking up to evidence of your failures everywhere you look you see the rubble of your life everywhere you go you are reminded of your failures this was the children of Israel every time they came out of the house they looked and where walls used to be now all they see is rubble stones laying on top of each other this once proud city that stood as a as a testimony to the world is now laid waste the gates that were so beautiful that kept people out and allowed certain things in were burnt with fire there are things that you look back on and the picture of where your family used to be over the mantle where you used to gather in prayer with your family those things are gone all you see now is the evidence of your failure have you ever been there? Come on, family. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Have you ever been in a place where you felt vulnerable, exposed? Ever felt like you were in a place where you had no security? You see, the survivors were there first. Nehemiah 1.1, he says this, and they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity. Survivor in the Hebrew literally means to remain left over or left alive. It just means they have a pulse. doesn't mean their quality of life as well. In fact, Webster's Dictionary calls a survivor someone that is functioning, to remain in, alive or in existence. L listen to me. They are people that are functionally dysfunctional. L let me say that again. When we just live in a survival mode, we are functionally dysfunctional. You see, many of us come from dysfunctional families. You come from dysfunctional homes. You live in a dysfunctional city. You go to dysfunctional schools. You're operated by dysfunctional businesses. And you got dysfunctional government around us. And yet with all these things taking place, you have learned to function. You've learned to survive in the middle of all the dysfunction that's taking place in life. You go home and it's not the way that it used to look like Leave it to Beaver, where, where you had a mom that was there, a father that was there, a family that worked things out. You are functionally dysfunctional. You just learn to try to get by. You've learned to make it day to day. You are a survivor, but a survivor is living proof that the problem did not destroy me. I'm not hating on you if you're a survivor. I've survived. I'm grateful for the surviving, but I need you to understand that the survival, the struggle did not destroy you. But I want to know, I want to ask you a question, those of you at home. I want you to even, even look at those around you at home right now and ask this question. What have you survived? What things that, that, that have you gone through that should have killed you? What things should have destroyed you? What things should have brought you to your knees, but you're still standing here, you're still moving forward, that those things that try to defeat you didn't defeat you? I want to know about that. 
Survival mode is about making it another day, keeping your head above water. Listen closely. See, I'm going somewhere. When you're in survival mode, it's all about you. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to make it. And the problem is this. There's, you can't save another drowning person when you're drowning yourself. And the enemy knows that if I can keep you in survival mode, I can keep you from making a difference. See, survival is not living. Come on, say it again, Pastor. Survival is not living. I'm grateful for my survival seasons, but that's not where God wants me to live. That's not where God wants me to be. God doesn't want us to be in the survival mode. See, sometimes it's just the best that we can do, but I want you to know that God has more for you than just surviving your marriage, just surviving your life, or just going through things. That's not what God's plan for you is. Come on, somebody give God praise. I want you to see their situation was great distress. Not distress, great distress. That word distress literally means to be broken or shattered. Have you ever gone through something in your life that didn't just break you? It shattered you? You were left to pieces? You couldn't even try to put something back together again? There there are things that we've had in our family that have fallen down and broken and just a piece came off. We can put that back together. But there's been some things that have broken, that have shattered into pieces that you look at and just There's no hope of putting that together. This is where they're at. You see, it goes totally against the idea of restoration. God promised that you would be restored in 70 years, but here 140 years later, they still have it rebuilt. They're in reproach. That word means abused, disgraced, taunted. There's some people making fun of you right now. There's some individuals saying, man, you're, you're a Christian? Look at your marriage. And you're a Christian, look at your finances. You're a Christian and you're addicted? Being a Christian doesn't make you perfect. It just makes you forgiven. I want you to see what happens. All this is taking place in the city of Jerusalem, which meant the city of peace. It was considered the perfect city. Follow me on this. I'm almost done, so stay with me. It was a place that was supposed to be without defect. What do you do when you are living with great reproach and distress in the city of peace and there's no peace? What do you do when when, when your life or your experience don't match the promise that God has for your life? You're supposed to be a Christian, but you're not Christ-like. You cuss. You, you, you drink, you get mad, you get angry, you, you yell at people, and you're, instead of, and you're, you get so overwhelmed with shame that you're like, how can I even call myself a believer in Christ when I'm not producing the things God said that I should? See, how do we go from surviving to overcoming? I want you to first of all understand this. You got to recognize that things can be different. You have to shift your lenses you got to understand that where you're at is not where you're staying. You're in a process. You're going through a journey. That You may be going through a tough time right now. You might be surviving right now, but that's not your stopping point. You need to learn to take the burdens that you have and take them to the Lord. Not carry these things on your own and that you would hand them over to God. That you would begin to start magnifying God over your problems. Lift God and make God bigger than your situation. And when you learn to do that, you recognize that you are created 
created to make a difference. God placed you in the middle of all this, not to destroy you, but to bring hope to those around you. Somebody say amen. He says in verse 4, when I heard these things, when he heard about their condition, I sat down and wept. You see, what you care about, you cry about. Let me say that again. What you care about, you cry about. If you care about something enough, you're, you're going to shed some tears. Listen to me. Don't ever apologize for your tears. Don't you ever apologize for your crying. Don't you ever apologize for the tears that run down your face because that just tells me that you care. Tears tell me you care. I have a question for you right now. What, what, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What, what is it that, that moves your heart? Nehemiah could not be okay while everyone else was not okay. See, I, I need you to understand. T take, take a look at this. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. Everyone say for some days. He said, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now, now we see a couple days. We see in a couple of scriptures, Pastor Nick, that, that his problem is already solved as far as where he's going. But do you understand that the time that he went through is literally over four months that he went through from the time he heard about their condition to the time he prayed, the time he mourned. See, many times we say we care about something, but if you really care about a situation, you're going to invest some time to pray, to mourn, to fast. You're going to do something. It's going to cost you something to make a difference. See, it's, if it's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. If what you're... Crying about right now, if it's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. See, I want to talk to you as, as we get ready to close today about Nehemiah. He heard about the survivors, but Nehemiah wasn't a survivor. He was an overcomer. You see, Nehemiah, his name means God comforts. At a time where the nation needed comfort, he shows up. Listen, your, your name means something. The very fact that you're there, you're going to bring comfort to a people that need help at this time. You're in the family that you're in because they need you. You're in the neighborhood that you're in because they need you. You're in the city that you're in because they need you. You're not there by accident. God has determined those things. He is the cupbearer to the king. So what's that mean? He stands next to the king and he tastes all the food. He tastes the wine to make sure that it's not poison. It was a place of trust. It was a place of honor. It was a place that he had a great cush life. He lived in the palace. He wasn't the king. He got the perks of the king without having the problems of the king. He had the ability to sit there and listen how the king led, how the king ruled. He was there and had the best of food, the best of wine. Brother rode around in a chariot with 24s. Good sound system. Walking around in Armani suits. He was fly. Everything was great. He had a great retirement account. But the very time that he heard about what was going on a thousand miles away in the city of Jerusalem, that they were in great distress and the walls were burnt with fire. He was no longer okay with just being okay. He wasn't good anymore. Great health plan, watching the Super Bowl on the 100-inch television in the palace. Then he says in verse 5, listen to this, Then the Lord God of heaven, then he said, Lord God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God. He takes time to magnify God. Sometimes we talk about how big our problems are, and we forget to talk about how big our God is. He, he who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. He's reminding God of some things. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant who is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself. He wasn't there when they went into bondage, but he took ownership for their condition. You can't be an overcomer if you don't take ownership for what's going on around you. He says, including myself, my father's family have committed these sins against you. He took ownership. He says, I'm responsible. The buck stops with me. You see, he recognized that although the surroundings were bad, I can shift the surroundings. I can make things better. I can use my influence. I can use my abilities, my resources to make a change. I love, I love, I love, I love what Dr. Uh, John Maxwell said in his book, uh, Developing Leaders Within You. Old book, but one of the classic powerful ones. He says that leaders are either the thermostat or the thermometer. You either set the temperature or you reflect it. And I need you to understand Nehemiah determined that I'm going to set the temperature. You got to set the temperature in your marriage, in your family, in your city, in your, in your surroundings. You got you to gotta shift atmospheres, not reflect them. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I want you to see what happens here. Nehemiah could have just enjoyed life. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're chill. Some you, you're, you, you don't have a problem in the world. You're sitting right now in a nice living room. Fireplace might be going. You got food being prepared right now for the Super Bowl. Things are great right now. You got money in the bank, three cars in the garage. You, 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 things are good. Nehemiah could have just enjoyed life, but we never would have heard about him. You see, I need you to understand that the road of victory is paved with dissatisfaction. If you're going to be an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome. If you're going to be an overcomer, you've got to recognize there's some things that you're going to have to go through. I want you to see what happens here. He says this in verse 11. The Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who... Delight in re revering your name. Give your servant success. Everyone say success. He's talking about survivors and now success. He says, give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer of the king. That word success means to go through. Okay, let me try this side. It means to go through. Okay, I, I want to talk to maybe to the people on the left side of the couch right now to go through. All right. That word success means to go through. You have to go through something to get to something. You have to go through something to get through something. That's what makes you successful. Your, your ability to go through something in life. And I want you to understand, Nehemiah could have just taken it easy. But he understood this. It doesn't do me any good to enjoy my life while people are suffering. To be a transformer. What's a transformer? It's when you take your success and you share it with others. And that's what Nehemiah did. As we close this morning, I want you to see this. Nehemiah understood that there's more to my life than comfort. 
And hearing this report of what was going on a thousand miles away rocked him. It changed him. We, we hear on the news on a daily basis, on our news feed, on social media, through Twitter, through Facebook, through Instagram. We see all the things that are going on across the world. But it doesn't move us. How can we be called by the name of God and not be moved by the things that are going on around us? Nehemiah asked, how can I enjoy success while others suffer? How can my influence remove the affliction of someone else? And how can my resources help rebuild their walls? See, getting to the next level in life starts with dissatisfaction. If you're happy with a mediocre marriage, you'll never have a great one. If you're happy making $20 an hour, you're never going to make 40. If you're happy with, with, with that car that only you know how to start, you're never going to have a better one. But what am I telling you? God moves through dissatisfaction. The Apostle Paul said, I'm content in all situations. But he wasn't satisfied. And some of you right now, there is a holy dissatisfaction. I'm not saying trading in your wife or your husband or your kids. That's not what I'm saying right now. What I'm saying is recognizing that things should be and could be better. Nehemiah understood this. I want to ask you this question. What, not who, what upsets you what upsets you right now what bothers you what keeps you up at night what are the things going around in our society right now that keeps you awake because those are the things that God has anointed you to change God works through dissatisfaction how did Nehemiah make that happen through communion. It was his relationship with God that carried him through. He may have been in a foreign land. They may have had his hands, but they did not have his heart. His heart belonged to the God. He worked for the king of Babylon, but his heart was committed to the king of kings. Now I want you to understand, God's given you access. God's given you resources not to make your life more comfortable but to make a difference in the lives of those around you as we take communion this morning i want you right where you are just to bow your heads right now just right where you are just in a solemn moment between you and god listen it might be your living room but right now i believe in this moment god is about to transform that living room into the very throne room of god Heavenly Father, we invite you mm, right now in this place. Lord, I, I invite you right now just to go into every household, into every heart, into every individual, every child, my God, every father, every mother, every single adult. Lord, we just pray, my God, your grace would just fill that place. Let them fill your presence right now. What bothers us? What moves us? What keeps us up? 
Lord, I know that I was created to make a difference. So Lord, right now, we thank you because you didn't die on the cross just to forgive our sins. You died on the cross to restore our dominion, to put us back in the rightful place to make a difference. So Father, as we take the bread, we recognize that your brokenness gives us wholeness. And so we speak wholeness over marriages, over minds, over finances, over bodies. Right now, take the bread in Jesus' name. Father, we bless your name right now. We bless your name, God. You're a good God. Such a good God. Come on, just right where you are. I know for, for some of you, you're used to watching TV on that, uh, just watching programs and shows on the, on the television. Right now, I want you just to turn that, that, that television set into the portal of heaven. Come on, just you and God. You and God right now. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We bless you. We thank you for the broken body of Christ this morning. We thank you that we have fellowship with Jesus this morning. We thank you that you love us, that you live in us. Lord, as we take the cup this morning, we do so in recognition that your blood, this blood, this cup represents the blood of Jesus. This is what gives me access. This is what restores relationship. This is what heals bodies. It's not the juice. It's his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. It's how much he loved us. As we take the cup this morning, before we take the cup, you're here right now and you might not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He loved you so much that it hurt. He gave you his all. Don't you think you owe him your life? Your breath belongs to him. Stop waking up in the rubble of life and start realizing that you can arise and build. That's you. I just want you to bow your heads and just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I receive you now as Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. I receive him now as master of my life. I turn my back on my old life and I give Jesus my whole life. I want to follow you. I come the way I am so that you could change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to take the cup. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray for every individual listening in. Lord, I'm so grateful for our family of CWC Bay Area. I'm grateful for the family and friends that are listening in right now. That love you so much, God, that are willing to do whatever is necessary just to take time to worship and praise you. Lord, I pray right now that during this season that we wouldn't go back to the way things used to be. That God, that during this new time out, this pause that we are going through, until we figure out are we opening back up as and, and gathering together live or will we continue to do online services, whatever the case may be, God, you're in control. 
But Lord, I pray that until we gather together live, that we would make a determination, a decision to arise and build. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, as I close this morning, I just simply want to tell you this. Shake yourself off. Get up. Get the dust off of you. Come on. Let's stop complaining about the situation that we're in. Let's stop complaining about the rubble that's around us, and let's start cleaning up. Let's arise and let's build. Amen, CWC Bay Area? Come on. We're going to love God, and we're going to love people, and we're going to change this world. Just watch. Amen? God bless you. We love you, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday right here in your living room. God bless you this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.